stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, maybe after two years of uh, living through history, it's something we take for granted, but um, we're certainly living through it right now. And uh, it's an ongoing situation. Each new day seems to bring uh, some new remarkable consensus uh, amongst Western countries in responding to this uh, naked act of aggression by Russia, the invasion of Ukraine. Alliances that were once frayed seem to be rejuvenated, NATO in particular. And uh, the response we've seen on the economic side has been impressive as well. You know, last week, it seemed like maybe we weren't going to reach a consensus on cutting Russia off from what's known as SWIFT, Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication. It's something that would hurt Russia for sure. Could potentially hurt other countries because those transactions go two ways, of course. Uh, but then, lo and behold, we got a breakthrough. And so Canada, European, uh, and um, obviously other Western allies are now in agreement to block some Russian banks from accessing the SWIFT international payment system. Christia Friedland, Canada's Deputy Prime Minister, uh, tweeted on Saturday, Canada, Canada strongly supports removing Russian banks from SWIFT and targeting and restricting Putin's war chests, the reserves of the Russian Central Bank. President Putin's invasion cannot be allowed to succeed. We stand with the brave people of Ukraine. Now, obviously, Christia Friedland has a deep personal connection to Ukraine. Her mother helped draft that country's uh, constitution. And she is well known, obviously, by not just Vladimir Putin, but uh, others in Russian leadership. But Christia Freeland is emerging as a really interesting and important character in, in this whole drama. Uh, it's all laid out in a fascinating new piece up at uh, Politico, politico.com. Its author, freelance journalist Justin Ling, joins us on the program here this afternoon. Justin, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Good afternoon. I think Canadians rightly, uh, you know, take a step back and look at this and wonder, you know, how much of a leadership role are we playing here? How relevant are we when it comes to our, our allies and making these big decisions? So how does Christia Freeland uh, seem to have emerged as such a central figure here? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. You know, my position in normal times is that Canada has a real habit, at least over the last seven years, uh, whether it's been Christia Freeland in the foreign affairs role or whether uh, it's been Melanie Jolie or whoever, uh, that we've had a real habit of sort of, you know, as, as uh, their predecessors, John Baird used to say, going along just to get along, right? You know, yeah. that Canada had this nasty habit of, of just wanting to sign statements and never have to write them. And it's, it's a frustration that I've heard from folks inside of government, obviously from a ton of people outside of government. And frankly, we get this really kind of deep impression that the rest of the world just sees Canada as you know, someone in the room, but not the first person you want to go talk to. And it really does seem like it's only during crises that Ottawa properly steps up and, and, and figures out how to wield you know, what we love talking about, its soft power to, to greater ends. And Christina Freeland does seem to be kind of a core piece of that. Obviously, she was sort of instrumental in getting some sort of deal together uh, on the renewed NAFTA. Uh, and now that it, you know, it comes to trying to kind of put the screws to, to Moscow, she's been incredibly uh, useful. Obviously, and no great surprise, this is her wheelhouse, right? She yeah. studied Russian affairs, Russian literature in school. Her parents uh, were both uh, you know, prominent Ukrainians, um, 
Freeland herself spent a, a big chunk of time in in uh, Eastern Europe, in Russia. She's former Moscow bureau chief for the Financial Times. Um, she, you know, she's worked with uh, prominent critics of the Russian regime. And you know, since this thing has sort of started unfolding, she has been, what I'm told, is the loudest voice in favor of sanctioning uh, the Russian central bank around the G7 table, and after you know some time of, of applying that pressure, she's gotten results. But she's also banned, hasn't she? Been long banned from yeah. from Russia, right? Yeah, after so before she was even a cabinet minister when the Liberal Party was yeah. still a third party. After the Canadian government applied sanctions to Russia for their invasion of the Donbas region and Crimea in 2014. Uh, the Russian government retaliated by banning Christia Freeland from from entering Russia, so she she couldn't visit even if she wanted to, at least not with a special dispensation. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, she's been, you know a long time uh, critic of the Putin regime. Um, you know some interesting history is that you know, Bill Browder, or the guy who has exposed much of the state level corruption, um, you know glowingly cites her uh, in his book. Red notice about his effort to sort of start applying economic consequences to the Russian regime. Um, he writes that uh, Freeland uh, was was one of you know a hungry young journalist willing to pick up the phone when he called and help him uh, tell the story of how uh, Russian uh, state uh, oil companies were were kind of benefiting from from corruption corruption and graft. Uh, and it's it's quite fitting that many years later. When Browder was on a, a mission to get Western governments to adopt uh, legislation to sanction foreign countries for state corruption, what we call the Magnitsky Act, after his lawyer, uh, who was sort of his partner in crime until he died in a Russian prison, well, it was Christia Freeland who, who really took that mantle up and got that thing passed. Her predecessor, Stefan Dion, had no interest in it, did not want to criticize the Russian regime, wanted to make nice with Putin. Uh, when mm-hmm. Christia Freeland took over, she immediately made it a priority and helped get it passed through the House of Commons unanimously. So, so Christia Freeland's sort of role in this is, is quite stark, and I think without her, we wouldn't see the sort of clear-eyed um, position and, and this sort of understanding of where pressure can be successfully applied to really make Moscow hurt. So what were we able to piece together about, you know, this period of Thursday, Friday and Saturday, where it appeared as though there were some important holdouts on the question of cutting Russia off from SWIFT that that seemed to have changed by Saturday. How did this all unfold and, and what role did Christia Freeland play? So it actually goes back before Thursday. So we, we knew for weeks that this risk, actually for months, that this risk yeah. of war was was looming over us like kind of a sort of Damocles. And not everyone took it seriously. I think it's it's safe to say um, leaders in Europe sort of wrung their hands and and were convinced that Putin was bluffing. Um, he wanted to do as little as possible um, to to form consequences. You know, consistently said, you know, if it gets there, we'll consider doing these things, but did not want to preemptively uh, put lines in the sand. Um, it was it was a struggle even to get Germany to agree to to cancel a uh, significant new pipeline that was supposed to link them with Russia. So it, there was a real intransigence already happening around uh, the EU table. Even the U.S. was sort of um, non-committal on some major measures. Well, last Tuesday, you know, before the invasion actually began, I'm told Christia Freeland picked up the phone to start uh, taking the temperature on support for sanctioning Russia's central bank. And now. This move is extremely significant. It basically would cut off the central bank from about 320 
billion dollars in foreign currencies that the Russian government has abroad. Uh, those currencies are real, are real, you know, almost training wheels for its uh, for its for its ruble. You know, if the ruble starts uh, slipping, you know, Russia counts on those foreign foreign currency regimes or reserves rather uh, to prop up um, its its finances and 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 to be able to you know buy and sell uh, its oil. So when Freeland started, you know, pressing this idea, there was no support for it. Nobody wanted to go that drastic. Uh, before the invasion actually began. And there's also a significant amount of blowback. Countries that, that have significant amounts of rubles um, or where, where Russia owns their currency would, would see a huge hit from this. But as the days wore on, as, as Russian forces moved into Ukraine, um, I'm told that Freeland kept picking up the phone. She was uh, liaising with the Ukrainian prime minister um, and the U.K. prime minister and, and just going back and trying to change minds and trying to put up that pressure and trying to convey, uh, especially the European leaders, but also to her American uh, counterpart, that this measure is necessary and actually could be a significant deterrent. And I think um, she kind of correctly surmised that, that Vladimir Putin thought there would not be enough unity to get this sort of thing done. Um, at the exact same time, Boris Johnson and uh, Liz Trust, the UK foreign minister, uh, were applying pressure to get those countries on board with banning uh, Russia from the SWIFT payment system. And Canada and the UK were sort of working in conjunction to different ends. And, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, I was incredibly skeptical they were going to succeed. I've been talking to Canadian sources uh, for the last several days about those efforts, and just I was not convinced they would have any success. But one by one, uh, European leaders flipped and announced they would support these kind of measures, and it culminated in a rather rather dramatic and sudden Saturday evening press conference where the president of the European Commission said, yes, they'll be banning Russia from SWIFT, they'll be going after uh, Putin and, and some of his main deputies, including Foreign Minister Lavrov, and they would also be freezing out the uh, Russian Central Bank from its foreign currency reserves. This is so significant that you've seen a, the, the ruble uh, drop some 30% in, in recent hours, oh, yeah. and the Russian stock market is delaying opening today um, out of fears that uh, the economy could go into freefall. They've more than doubled uh, their interest rates, and you can see a clear sign of panic from the Putin regime. Um, it is remarkable. Canada and the U.K. got this done, and it, it is maybe the most significant consequences we've ever seen applied to the Russian regime. You know, and it's fascinating, too, and maybe it's more of a political question. I mean, the joke has kind of been that, you know, Christian Friedland has really been the prime minister. Maybe deputies mm. should be in, in scare quotes. I mean, it's unusual that you would have the finance minister so crucially involved in this kind of international situation, where typically a lot of this would fall to the prime minister or the foreign affairs minister, who almost seemed to have kind of taken a back seat here. What's your understanding of kind of the, the political dynamic in all of this? I, you know, I, I don't think it would be a case that the, the, foreign, the, the, the Christian Freeland is usurping Trudeau's role in any respect. Uh, I'm told that Trudeau, around the G7 table, was working with Boris Johnson to get support for SWIFT, or at least to get the conversation going about uh, removing Russia from SWIFT. Uh, and I'm told that uh, Freeland's negotiations later kind of included the prime minister kind of when it was necessary. So my understanding mm-hmm. is that she was sort of um, spearheading those discussions that the prime minister was obviously kept abreast and later joined um, and, you know, and admittedly, this is the sort of thing the finance minister um, would be concerned about. I mean, this is a major financial yeah. implication. Yeah. Uh, and I think 
making this a conversation amongst finance ministers and other um, senior officials is probably even a more effective way than dealing with it versus going through foreign ministers who might not have the same understanding of what this uh, this measure actually means in detail. Uh, so I, I don't know that it's, it's a significant thing in terms of the criminology of, of Canada itself, um, but you know I, I think it's a clear sign that that that. Uh, Freeland uh, has a tremendous amount of latitude, and that the prime minister, uh, you know, trusts her to a, to a huge degree. Well, I, I think it's fair to say he's he's lucky to have her in a situation like this. We'll, we'll see how it all plays out in the days ahead. In the meantime, much more is mentioned. Your piece it's up at Politico.com and much more JustinLing.ca. Justin, always appreciate it. Thanks for making time for us here today. Thanks. All the best. Uh, that is freelance journalist Justin Ling, his latest uh, Politico on uh, the role that Christine Freeland is playing behind the scenes in the Western response to Putin's aggression. Uh, you can read more of his work at uh, justinling.ca uh, and, of course, uh, his book, Missing from the Village. All right. Our number here, 403-974-8255. This is Afternoons on 770 CHQR. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.